I was reading about a week and a half ago um, in a little devotional by Piper, and uh, as I was thinking about this this morning, it, uh, you'll see what, it's kind of ironic. Uh, it says, God's design in detours. Well, I'm supposed to be in Arizona, which I'm glad I'm not. It's 113 there today. Uh, but I was supposed to be in Arizona today, but I got sick on Tuesday. And I just, I, I didn't feel like I could travel and be with my dad, who's got really bad COPD. So I, I had to postpone the flight. So I'm supposed to fly out tomorrow. Well, Mason calls me last night and says, Charles is sick. <laughs> Do you have anything you can share? And so the only thing I had, and Mason encouraged me to share this, is just um, to read this article by Piper and then just have a few uh, observations from the article. But it's titled, God's Design and Detours. And the scripture that he uses, whatever and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I think one of the reasons this was so encouraging to me is it really, it really spoke to my heart and gave me encouragement thinking about going back out to Arizona. I've been going out every month and coming here a month back and forth. And that does get wearying, but I feel like that's really what the Lord wants me to do in these days, this season, and um, this was a real encouragement to me. Let me read the article. <clears throat> it says, Have you ever wondered what God is doing while you are looking in the wrong place for something you lost and needed very badly? He knows exactly where it is, and he is letting you look in the wrong place. I once needed a quote for a new edition of my book, Desiring God. I knew I had read it in Richard Wormbrand. I thought it was in his devotional book, Reaching Toward the Heights. I could almost see it on the right-hand side of the facing pages, but I couldn't find it. But while I was looking, I was riveted on one page, the devotional for November 30th. As I read it, I said, this is one of the reasons I have to keep looking for my quote, God's detour. Here was a story, not for me, but for parents of broken children. Having broken children is like looking in the wrong place for what you've lost, cannot find. Why, why, why? This was the unplanned Reward of waste, quote, wasted moments. And then he, he reads, he goes on, this is uh, from Wormbrand's uh, devotional. In a home for retarded children, Catherine was nurtured 20 years. The child had been mentally handicapped from the beginning and had never spoken a word, but only vegetated. She either gazed quietly at the walls or made distorted movements 
to eat, to drink, to sleep, were her whole life. She seemed not to participate at all in what happened around her. A leg had to be amputated. The staff wished Kathy well and hoped that the Lord would soon take her to himself. One day, the doctor called the director to come quickly. Catherine was dying. When both entered the room, they could not believe their senses. Catherine was singing Christian hymns. She had heard and had picked up just those suitable for deathbeds. She repeated over and over again the German song, Where Does the Soul Find Its Fatherland, Its Rest? She sang for a a half an hour with transfigured face. Then she passed away quietly. Is anything that is done in the name of Christ really wasted? My frustrated, futile search for what I thought I needed was not wasted. Singing to this disabled child was not wasted. And your agonizing, unplanned detour is not a waste, not if you look to the Lord for his unexpected work and do what you must in the name in his name. The Lord works for those who wait for him, from Isaiah 64. <clears throat> and as I read that, um, there were just a number of things that that just really helped me. And I was thinking, um, I tried to just reflect on that. What can I take from this besides just the story itself? But there are some spiritual applications here uh, in this. First observation I made was we shouldn't just look to immediate results to determine if God's doing something. 20 years. Maybe it was the same person for 10 of those years, 10 of those years. Nothing happening. Nothing going on. Why are we doing this? She's just laying there vegetating. The Lord wants you to do it. That's why you do it. You don't look at the immediate results. 20 years. <clears throat> Amazing. On the 20th year, there was a response. The last 30 minutes of her life, there was a response, a visible response. Now, we don't know what was going on inside, but there was a visible response. The last 30 minutes of her life, she's singing praises to God, and then she dies peacefully. I'm reminded of a book I read quite a long time ago. Some of you may be more familiar with it than me because you know my memory isn't the best, and it was a long time ago that I read it. (laughs) But it was by James Frazier. James Frazier was a missionary in China to the Lisu tribe or people. And I don't know how many years it was, but it was quite a number of years that he labored with those people. 
and there was not a single convert for quite a number of years. And he still kept going because he felt that's what God wanted him to do. And then in God's, <clears throat> in God's time, uh, Holy Spirit came and brought in a multitude of those people into the kingdom of God. We can't just look at the immediate effect. <clears throat> so you go on campus, you go into the jail. <clears throat> What's going on? Apparently nothing. Apparently nothing. You doesn't appear to be anything going on, but we don't know. But we do what we do unto the Lord with all of our heart, and it's not wasted. So you have a loved one that you've prayed for for years, and it doesn't seem like there's any effect, but you've prayed for them. You've ministered to them. What's the outward effect? Well, they may be appreciative of your taking care of them, but spiritually, is there anything going on? It doesn't appear to be so, but you don't know. Don't look, you know, the Bible talks about man looking on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And oftentimes we get sucked into that. We start looking at the outward appearance of things, and if things aren't happening, well, God's not in that. That's not necessarily so. <clears throat> I was thinking about our pastors. They labor week in, week out, year in, year out, feeding the flock faithfully. Sometimes they see some effects. A lot of times they don't. There doesn't appear sometimes to be much going on. You go on because God asks you to do that. He he tells you to do that. You do it unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. I remember that uh, account in Mark 14. That woman comes in and pours that costly perfume all over the Lord. What's the disciples' response? Why this waste? Why this waste? Jesus says, don't bother her. Stop bothering her. She did what she could. It's not a waste. It's not a waste. She did what she could. So the question is, are you doing what you can? Are you doing what you can unto the Lord? And if you are going into the jail, visiting with those men and women up on campus, raising your children, Day in and day out, nurturing them, trusting the Lord, feeding them. That's not wasted time. You have a co-worker you're working with, and you share with them, or you do something for them. It says in word or deed. Whatever you do in word or deed, you're ministering to them in some way. That's not wasted time. Just because you don't see the results doesn't mean it's wasted if it's done unto the Lord. So we need to keep that in mind, that don't look only on the outward appearance. 
second observation I made. Thank you. The second observation, and it's very closely related to this, God may be doing and oftentimes is doing stuff beneath the surface. There's stuff going on there most of the time that you're not even aware of. We're not aware of it. And you've read all kinds of testimonies about this. Someone picks up a track and they start reading it and they throw it away. Someone else comes and sees a crumpled piece of paper, starts picking up, starts reading the track, takes it home with them, begins thinking about it, and they're converted. They're thinking about it. Stuff's going on. You've seen people who have been mockers and scoffers in some of the open air stuff. And lo and behold, inside, God's doing something. God's doing something. He's stirring something up. So we don't know what's going on inside. Um, you think of uh, this thing of raising your children. Um, you share things from the scripture with them regularly. You pray with them. And then they le- grow up and they leave. But you never know when the Lord's going to bring back, bring something back to their remembrance of something that that you shared with them at family devotion time, something personal that you shared with them. Um, it's, it's, you just don't know. You don't know what's going on in their heart and in their head. And so you faithfully do that as unto the Lord because you're commanded to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So what does that look like in your family? I don't know, but it's, you're faithful in it. And you leave the results to the Lord because you don't know what kinds of things they're thinking about and what kinds of things when they go to bed at night they lay on their bed and think about. <clears throat> this reminds me of um, David Chalkley um, sent me an article or an e- email that had an article that was taken from Robert Murray McShane that's a really good example of this. Um, <clears throat> let me read it to you. It's, it's really good. The excellent John Flavel was minister of Dartmouth in England. One day he preached these words. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The discourse was unusually solemn, particularly the explanation of the curse. At the conclusion... When Mr. Flavel rose to pronounce the blessing, he paused and said, How shall I bless this whole assembly when every person in it who loves not the Lord Jesus is anathema? The solemnity of this address deeply affected the audience. In the congregation was a lad named Luke Short, about 15 years old, a native of Dartmouth. Shortly after, he went to sea and sailed to America, where he passed the rest of his life. His life was lengthened far beyond the usual term. When a hundred years old, he was able to work on his farm with his mind, and his mind was not at all impaired. 
he had lived all this time in carelessness and sin. He was a sinner, a hundred years old and ready to die accursed. One day, as he sat in the field, he bruised him, he busied himself in reflecting on his past life. He thought of the days of his youth, his memory fixed on Mr. Flavel's sermon, a considerable part of which he remembered, the earnestness of the minister, the truth spoken, the effect on the people, all came fresh to his mind. He felt that he had not loved the Lord Jesus. He feared the dreadful anathema. He was deeply convinced of sin and was brought to the blood of sprinkling. He lived to his 116th year, giving every evidence of being born again. <laughs> 16 years walking with the Lord at the end of his life, but he was you know, 100 to 116. Uh, how faithful God is to his work. Let, he did let none of his words fall to the ground. Be of good cheer, Christian mothers, who weep over your unawakened children. They may be going far from you, perhaps across seas, and you tremble for their souls. Remember, God can reach them everywhere. A believing mother never prayed in vain. Be instant in prayer. God will not forget his word. He will let none of his words fall to the ground. So that just was very encouraging to me, thinking about um, people that seem like they've gone on or they're hopeless, lost cases. What has God called you to do? He's called you certainly to pray for him. He may have called you to, in my case, to take care of him. <clears throat> he may have called you to do something for a, a person that you've known for years. It may not be a family member. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. It will not go... Uh, it won't be wasted. It's not wasted effort. It's not wasted time. God counts it as blessed. Wonderful encouragement to pray for those that we love. So don't look at the outward, just only at the outward. God can be working beneath the surface. And then the third thing I took away from this <clears throat> In word or deed, sometimes it may be that you're to say something to somebody. It may be a word that you say in the name of the Lord. You go to him and you share something. Other times it might be an act. Maybe you help them, an act of kindness, something you do for them to cultivate that relationship to where eventually you can share the word with them. Other times, and most of the time, it's acts of prayer for them. You're praying for them. They're on your heart. You're not just praying for them at the prayer meeting. They're on your heart. 
whatever you do in word or deed. Amazing. Do all with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I was thinking about this. Sometimes we'll do those things, but we kind of dread it. Uh, I have to confess, it's not the most pleasant thought to go out and bake for five or six weeks in that kind of weather. You know, that's not a pleasant thought. But are you thankful for the opportunity? That's the key. Are you thankful for the opportunity to say something to somebody? Are you thankful for the opportunity to serve somebody or to do something for somebody? Are you thankful for that opportunity? Are you thankful for the opportunity to pray with the person and for the person? God's put the person in your, mo- in your life so that you can pray for them. Are you thankful for that opportunity or is that just another burden that you have to, oh man, I've got to pray for this person now? No, it's an opportunity. We need to be thankful for those opportunities that God brings to our mind and the opportunities to be with people. You know, I was thinking about this. Those times of trial, it's not that it's not a trial sometimes. It is a trial. It's a trial for moms who are all day with little kids chasing them around, and they don't have time to even get in the word, hardly. <clears throat> like Terry said, when the boys were young, they, she felt like she was 24-hour service to two midgets. You know, that just house, house calls all the, way, all the time, 24-7. And now you've got four kids or five kids running around. And you don't have time. You're weary. <clears throat> Be thankful for the opportunity that you have. They're not going to be there forever. They're going to grow up. They're going to be gone. And those opportunities of sitting on the couch and nurturing them in the word, it's going to be passed. And it's going to be passed very quickly. So thank God for those opportunities you have. As weary as you are, as stretched as you are, thank God for those opportunities and ask God to help you in it. Thank God for those opportunities to serve somebody who's older, who has only a few years left. Maybe you're taking care of them. You may not have another year with them. They're precious moments opportunities to be with them, to minister in the Lord, and those times aren't wasted. Even though there appears to be no results, those times are not wasted. Be thankful for those co-workers that irritate you. You know, you may only be with them another few weeks. They may be gone. You may be the only gospel they know as they watch your life. Because a lot of them don't go to church to hear, and if they do, they don't hear gospel. You are the gospel to them. Be thankful for the opportunity to live your life before them and let your light shine. That's a precious opportunity. 
So be thankful in the Lord for all these opportunities that God gives us. We just need to be thankful. We need to keep things in the proper perspective that as these times come up and we have opportunities to serve others in our family or our loved ones, and uh, sometimes it's a it's a it's hard. But I mean, even you can even minister and be praying for people from a distance and communicating with them by a letter or something. You know, you've got a lot of children that are uh, maybe in the. I know we've got some in this church, but a lot of Christians have children that are far off, and they're not walking with God. They don't seem to be having an interest in the things of God. So what do you do? Well, you cultivate that relationship and hope and pray that God will give you opportunities to minister to him in the Lord. In the Lord. Not preach at them. Minister to them. There's a difference. There is, it says, in word and deed. So one of the things that I've noticed in the times I've been going to Arizona, one of the things I specifically have asked the Lord for, that he has answered, is that God would give me natural openings to visit with my dad. Just natural things coming up every day, just things coming up, you know. And you're just able to say something about the Lord in the midst of it. And uh, it's just wonderful when you can do that. You just feel like God has ordained the conversation. And so we can pray for that with our children, little children, older children. Pray for that for our families. God would ordain natural conversations that would be able to bring up spiritual truths that would hit the mark on those issues. Do all in the name of the Lord with thanksgiving, and your efforts will not be wasted. Amen.